Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the Saquon situation episode. Okay, so go to ESPN.com. I dropped a story on the Saquon and Daniel Jones contract situations. Kind of where everything stands. Uh, really what's going to play into the situation. And it's really a delicate situation here for the Giants. Two best offensive players. Probably most notable names on the team. Uh, you go to our ESPN free agents. Two top 10 free agents this offseason, right? Because Daniel Jones plays quarterback and is a quality quarterback in the NFL. Not the easiest thing in the world for teams to find. Look at teams like the Jets. Haven't found a quality quarterback in who knows how long, right? I mean, it's not that easy, right? It is, it is not that easy to find a quality quarterback. So we know this. This is the premise that everything is built on right now. The Giants are going to keep Daniel Jones. They made that crystal clear at the season-ending press conference. Okay, Whether it be signing a long-term deal or using the franchise tag, maybe even as a placeholder, they're going to bring him back. Joe Shea made that perfectly clear. The question is whether Saquon Barkley returns because there are situations where he does not return. That There are it could play out in a way where Saquon Barkley does not return. Now, do I think ultimately he will return? Yes, the Giants would prefer that he returns. But if it comes down to it, he's a running back, right? A running back. And so if they have to let him walk, they will let him walk. Now, they have a number, right? Their number was in the $12 million range, right? A little more than $12 million. That's what they offered him. After the bye week, pretty solid $12 million a year, a little over $12 million a year for a running back who, quite frankly, has had some injury issues, right? He's been in the league for five years and he's had two healthy seasons. Okay. So think about that for a sec. That has to be factored into the equation. Now, granted, he just came off a 17 game season, played the whole year, played really well when he, when they needed him most in, in, uh, you know, big spots and playoff games down the stretch again, came up big. Really good player, best offensive weapon by far, going to get paid this offseason, okay? So now what I understand is, okay, so that deal was in the $12 million range, you know, a little over 12, you know, if he hit some hit some marks, probably would have been in the 12, close to 13, but they didn't get a deal done. This was at the bye week. Now we sit here, all right, and I've been told there's a belief that if they could get the 14, that is probably a deal that would get done. All right, fine. But here's what's working against Saquon Barkley now. The franchise tag, $10.1 million. So if the Giants can get Daniel Jones done quickly, right? The franchise tag window closes on March 7th. If the Giants can get Daniel Jones done before March 7th, now they can simply say to Saquon Barkley, hey, that deal's on the table, or we have this franchise tag at $10.1 million. And the Giants, that's a deal for them. 
right? $10.1 million for Saquon Barkley for one year. No further guarantees. If you're Saquon, you want that long-term deal, right? Which is going to have $25 million, $30 million guaranteed, right? That's the nest egg. That's the, that's the money that takes care of your future generations. If you're Saquon Barkley. It's not quarterback money, but he plays running back. That's the whole thing here. So he loses leverage the way I view it. The second that Daniel Jones gets done, the second the Giants don't have to use their tag on Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley loses leverage. Now, I also think when push comes to shove, you know, they, they say, uh, what is it, deadline spurs action. So when it comes down to it, and Saquon Barkley has to sit there and make a decision, let's say the Giants up their offer a little bit, get it into like the $13 million range. And it comes down to it and Saquon Barkley, tad over $13 million, let's say. I think I could see the Giants getting it. Saquon Barkley has to look in the mirror and say, okay, do I really want to go to free agency here? Do I really want to push this? Get the free agency for a million dollars more a year. Because what's he really going to get on the open market? Is somebody really going to give him the $15, 16000000 million that Christian McCaffrey got? I personally, I mean, who are the teams? Let's, let's even think for a second. Which teams can we see Saquon Barkley going to? The teams I wrote down, I believe, were like, what, Miami, Buffalo, um, Chicago. I mean, tell me. What team is going to pay a running back $14, $15 million? I have trouble coming up with a huge list. And those teams I just named are teams that I could see needing running backs. But then the question is, are those teams, like, are the, can the Buffalo Bills really pay to Saquon Barkley $15 million? I have serious doubts. I don't think so. I really don't. But let's just say there's someone out there that's going to pay him $14, 14 $14.5 a season. For that extra $1 million a season, is it worth Saquon Barkley leaving New York, which does have some benefits to being the, you know, to, to playing in New York? Like he's nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year and it's blasted in Times Square in Manhattan, right? You don't have that in other places. That, that does help your notoriety, that does help your marketability, help you make money off the field. So there's a little bit of that. Not a ton anymore, I don't think, but it provides a little extra equity. But then he, are you willing to uproot your family? Make all these changes. He finally thinks that the Giants have something here. Likes Dable. Daniel Jones is one of his closest friends on the team, right? Those two are especially close. Does he really want to uproot his family, move to a new place, go to a new system for an extra million dollars a year? I think when push comes to shove, he'll probably decide, you know what? This is a good deal for me. Let me just take it. I don't need to extract every last penny and push this that hard. But there's no reason for him to do that until there's a deadline, until they say, hey, it's make or break time. Here's the deal. You know, let's say it's stuck where it is. $12.5 million a year, somewhere around there. You know, somewhere between $12 and $13 million a year. Take it or walk. I think ultimately, you know, the Giants add a little bit to that, and it'll be a deal that they, that they can make. And if they could get to $14 million, I think that's a deal that can get done also. So the Giants, though, you look at a giant perspective, this is a lot of money for a running back in the first place. And I think they know that, right? In an ideal world, They'd like to have a star quarterback, you know, better than Daniel Jones. You'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. Who wouldn't, right? You'd rather have Joe Burrow. Who wouldn't? The problem is, where are they getting that guy from right now? And so they need to pay Daniel Jones. And the number on Daniel Jones from sources is it's going to be $35 million plus. That's likely where the, the contract's going to land. And then you were talking about Saquon Barkley here. 
that's going to be in the $13 million per year range. Now, granted, this isn't straight against the salary cap. If you know how the salary cap works, there are are ways for, uh, you know, the, the numbers will be lower, especially this year, probably next year as well, maybe. Might jump. So a lot of times it jumps in year two, but the just salary cap's gonna jump in year two also. So it won't be like, all right, if Jones is thirty-six million dollars a year and Saquon's thirteen, that's forty-nine million dollars against the cap this year. No, it's not gonna be like that. It's gonna be way less. And then that then allows you to get other players and build up the weapons around them, right? And I think that's the big thing here. The Giants know it can't just be these two guys. They we just saw what they were with these two guys. It's a super limited offense. They need more. So they got to keep these numbers within range. And Joe Shane, I, I believe this, and he's preached this, is he's pretty strict about the Giants putting number a number on a player, a number of value on a player, and sticking with it. So they pretty much essentially have Saquon Barkley as a 12 to $13 million player. I mean, that's what it means, right? And I think that's fair. You know, I, I think... At the very most, and we're probably stretching to get there, he's a $14 million player, only because the market's going up, right? But does he have the leverage to really push for 14 or more than 14? Forget it. I really don't think he'll ever get that from this Giants new, this new Giants regime. They're too smart. Gettleman, yes. This new Giants regime, no. Now, there are other factors that play into it, I think. And I've noted this in the story. Saquon's the face of the franchise. There's a value to that. So does ownership now go get involved? Do they step in and get involved? They told Joe Shane he has carte blanche. I said that from the second he got hired. But when it comes to your biggest, most marketable player, do they come and just say, hey, you know what? Maybe we just get to 14. Maybe we can, can't we just get to, what would prevent us from getting to 14? Is it program changing, right? Is it that debilitating? You know, just a little nudge from ownership. I don't think that's out of the question. John Mara has said many times how great a representative Saquon is of this organization. Steve Tisch, who is, you know, sort of like the silent, quiet owner for the most part. I mean, there's people in Barclays camp that are very close with the Tishes and the Tisch family. You know, do they say, hey, come on, we need to get this deal done. Let's meet in the middle here, you know. Let's say the middle is an extra million dollars. Saquon's saying 15. Giants are at 13. Say, let's get to 14. Let's get to 13 and a half. I can see that happening. I can. Now, Daniel Jones is a much more cut and dry situation. He's the quarterback. He played well this year. He ran the ball well. He probably was their best offensive player in the second half of the year. Saquon was in the first half of the year. But ultimately, he's not the high, high high-end quarterback. Even in his best year, he just threw 15 touchdown passes. Now, you get him in the 30, let's say 37, $38 million range. Anywhere from 35 to 38 million. That's probably where I, when you talk to people, that's where they think it's going to land per year. Right now, after Derek Carr was just cut, that puts him at ninth. That'll put him at ninth in the NFL in regards to uh, per year annual salary for a quarterback. Ninth. Okay, to make the argument Daniel Jones is around the ninth best quarterback in the NFL. But there's some deals that are going to get done eventually. Uh, whatever happens with Lamar, he will likely end up way past where Daniel Jones is. Justin Herbert, um, Joe Burrow. You know, these are all slam dunks. They're going to end up higher than where he is. So when these get done, now we're talking about like 12th. Another one or two get done, you know, 13th. 
Or, you know, so he's more like outside of the top 10, Daniel Jones, if, if he gets, if or when he gets this deal. And I expect him to get this deal this offseason. And, you know, the Giants will have, okay, a couple of years here to see where Daniel Jones, you know, if he can take it to that next level. So their hope is we pay Daniel Jones $37 million. I'm making it a year. Okay. He ends, ends up in by the end, by this, let's say, by the beginning of next season not this upcoming season. By the beginning of the 24 season, he's getting paid. He's now the 13th or 14th highest paid quarterback. But we added him weapons, and now he's playing at a top 10 range. He's like the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the NFL. Then you're in pretty good shape if you're the Giants, right? Okay, now that's not so bad. So that's the hope. They take a shot at that for two years, right? The deal will be longer. Daniel Jones will probably have guaranteed money into the third year. But you find a way where you'll be able to get out of the deal after two years. Most deals are like that. Think about that. The, the Raiders just signed Derek Carr to this $100 million contract, and he, they were out of it after one year. So there are ways to set it up. So two years, Daniel Jones paying him in the top 12, 13 range of quarterbacks. Hope you add pieces, add weapons, and he's playing <clears throat> as a top 10 quarterback. Fair? Seems fair. Now, I get it. And I, you never want, okay, I, don't, I, don't, I want a star quarterback. I want a guy who's going to help me win Super Bowls. And you need basically Patrick Mahomes, the way Jalen Hurts played this season. We'll get to the Super Bowl fallout in a second. But And I'm a big believer. I, I want one of those guys. But the Giants aren't in a position right now to get one of those guys. They won too many games this year. Daniel Jones played too well. So now they're in the spot where you kind of have to roll it back, cross your fingers, and pray that he could ultimately take his game to the next level at some point. That's where we're at. That's where that's where we're at with the Giants quarterback situation. All right, little quick Super Bowl fallout because there was some giant relevant stuff in there. Then we'll get to a Jordan on the beat and get out of here. This will be a quick episode. Uh, I will start hopefully an interview series next week, uh, off season interview series. We've done some of these in the past. I'll be looking to get a uh, bunch of different people from different areas of the Giants and and the football world in general on the podcast. So we're going to look to take it to the next level this offseason. So, but before we get there, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Okay. Now I'm going to start with Kadarius Tony, because obviously the dude changed the Super Bowl, helped them win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, and uh, you know, made it worth it from their perspective, the trade. And then you have people like Juju Smith Schuster, who I'll get to later also because I I think he's just completely out of line. But Juju Smith-Schuster says, you know, I don't know how they let him go. You know, we know how to recognize dudes. You know, he's got talent. Look at him, this guy. And I get it. And Kadarius Toney made the game-changing plays in the Super Bowl. Could have won the MVP. Giants traded him, got a third-round pick. But you also have to follow the breadcrumbs of this guy a little bit. Think about this for a sec. Biggest game of the year. The Chiefs receivers stink, by the way. Juju's a Quality guy, receiver, more along like the possession guy type guy. MVS, Valdez Scantling, has been a disappointment for them. He's an average receiver at best, right? When they needed him, he came up big in the one game because they had nobody left. They had to use him in the AFC Championship game, you know? And then Justin Watson. Okay, those are the three guys that played about 60% of the snaps in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Kadarius Toney, who's obviously healthy enough to play and do what he did, played five offensive snaps. So you follow the breadcrumbs. Like, what is going on where he's only able to play five offensive snaps? He should be their number one receiver on talent. 
just like he should have been the Giants' number one receiver. So the Giants' concerns or problems with him, there's obviously something there that the Chiefs see as well, whether it be injuries, work ethic, ability to retain the playbook, all these things, you know, work hard you know, to get healthy when you're not on the field. These have all been concerns with Kadarius Toney. So I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, how did the Giants get rid of this guy? No, the concerns are all still there. Next year will be fascinating with Kadarius Toney, right? Because the talent is too good to be this pedestrian, right? Yes, when he gets the ball, he's electric. But he's only getting the ball. He only got the ball like 20, 20 times. 20 times with the Chiefs. 22 times or whatever. 22 touches. He was there for more than half the year, including playoff games. So I wouldn't sit there and resent that trade at this point in any way, shape, or form. Let's see him put it together completely. Then maybe we could say, hey, the Giants should have tried to make this work. But there's still reasons to be concerned with Kadarius Toney. But there's no denying the talent is off the charts there with this guy. When he gets the ball, forget about it. Now, the other thing I came away from the Super Bowl thinking, and this was my original thought, was, wow, Jalen Hurts was awesome in that game. I mean, he did everything. He made a couple throws, too. Like the throw to Dallas Goddard on third and long. It was like so perfectly placed over the guy's head, and Goddard caught it, like jumping over a guy with a guy clamped on his back. There was just a couple plays, big plays in that game. When they needed it most, Eagles are down eight. Like what? Six, seven minutes left. They get the ball. Hertz leads them down the field for a touchdown and the two-point conversion. It made me think, wow, okay. This guy's legit. And the, I, look, I'd be the first to tell you. I had serious doubts about him last year. I thought that the Eagles would have been better off with Daniel Jones instead of Jalen Hurts. Like, you give Daniel Jones that offensive line and his ability to throw. Hurts was very limited last year in his ability to throw. Accuracy wasn't good. His ability in the throw in the pocket was not good. But he improved drastically in those two areas. And now I watched that Super Bowl and I left there saying, man, he's legit. That the, I know the Eagles are going to lose guys, but this is a team the Giants have to worry about for a really long time. And they're still going to be really good. but. Now you look at it, they lost both coordinators. I think that's a big, big hit, losing both coordinators. I really do. Losing both coordinators at the same time is going to be tough to overcome and really quickly. Now, the Eagles' offense will be fine. Think about their offense next year. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Hurts, they're all back. A stud offensive line, all back, I think, as long as Kelsey returns, which I think he will. And by the way, even if he doesn't, Eagles already drafted his replacement, right? And then running back, sure, they lose Miles Sanders. They have they have two first-round picks. The Eagles will fill that in in the middle rounds. It's supposed to be a really good running back draft, which is why we're talking on the other side. The Giants are going to pay, you know, $12, 13000000 million for a running back. The Eagles, meanwhile, are going to restock in the draft. I'm like, ah, no big deal. Their running back will be just fine that they drafted the second, third, fourth round, especially with their offensive line. You'd much rather be in that situation than the Giants' situation of having to pay a running back $12, 13 $14 million. And then Nick Sirianni walked away from the Super Bowl again thinking, this guy's a fool, right? Not that he's a bad coach, although he did get totally outcoached by Andy Reid. Andy Reid won then in that Super Bowl. But his shenanigans, I mean, you know, you could do whatever you want as long as you win. But the second you lose, then you have to pay for, you know, you have to, you have to be able to take it on the chin for being, you know, 
a jerk off for most of the most of the, the season for jumping up and down and celebrating like like a fool, really, on the sideline, like a player. Like, no, no, you're the coach. You're supposed to be held to a little bit higher standard than the player when it comes to celebrating. It doesn't look good when your coach is doing that on the sideline. So now he's on the other side of it. And you look at it like, huh, okay, now you're not kicking the other team's ass. You're the one getting it handed to you. You're the one that got out, coach. And you're the one acting out there acting like a fool on the sideline. Huh. Reel it in, buddy. And makes you think, remember that story? WFAM had that story at one point about Nick Sirianni playing tennis and getting into it on the tennis court of like, I don't know, Sea Isle or some, somewhere down by the shore. Sea Isle, Avalon, one of those places, Margate. And getting into it with the Giants fan on the tennis court. Now that we look back and think about that story, you know, I could totally see that. Him being, you know, a jerk about it, just being sarcastic. After you see all his shenanigans on the sideline, absolutely 100% believable. Now, we'll get to another Eagles thing in a second, in the next segment. So, we'll get there. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's close with a quick Jordan on the beat here. Yes, it's about the Eagles, but it has a giant slant. I promise. We all saw James Bradbury commit that costly holding penalty late in the game. Yes, letter of the law. It was a holding penalty. Uh, The rules by rule. He hooked them, turned them, absolutely holding. If it was, if I had my druthers as a just straight football fan, I'd rather them not call that penalty there at that time of the game. But I'm sure no Giants fan cares, right? Nobody listening to this podcast cares. Uh, You're all rooting for the Eagles. In my household, my daughter's a big Mahomes fan. She likes the Chiefs. We were rooting for the Chiefs. So nobody really cared. Now, I would have liked it would have been really fun and entertaining to watch uh, the Eagles have to go try and down, go, go down the field in the final minute of a Super Bowl to win or tie. But it didn't happen. So we're sitting here. James Bradbury is the GOAT, right? After the game, stands up there, says, you know, it was holding, takes it on the chin. Stand-up guy. But that, that's the thing. That's all we know him as as a stand-up guy. Now, here's the giant slant to it. So Juju Smith-Schuster tweets out this meme that was, I guess, out there already, but he tweeted out, he said, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And what it says, it's a card. It says, you know, to 
has a to and a from spot for our Valentine's Day. And it says, I'll hold you when it had it, when it matters most. And it has Bla- Bradbury's face plastered on it. Now, I tweeted, you know, unless I miss James Bradbury talking shit or complaining about the call, this is just a man kicking a man when he's down. Bad look, man. And, and I believe this. And everyone's like, you're not everyone, but a lot of people are like, you're soft. You know, you're weak. And I get it. Look, I like trolling. I like trash talk. But the dude, first of all, James Bradbury. And this is why people don't understand. Like, he's an eagle. Why, who gives a crap? The eagles talk trash. No, no. You're making an individual, a man, look bad. You, made, you turned him into a, a national punchline. Yes, it is funny. But it also could be inappropriate at the same time. These two things are not mutually exclusive, right? They can be separated, right? It can be funny, but inappropriate at the same time. Because we're in the, when you're in the NFL, trust me, the players are not going to like this. Their support is supposed to be a fraternity. You don't, first of all, you're trolling on a guy for what? Holding in the, in the biggest spot of the game? Like, he's already the goat of the Super Bowl. And now you're using him as a punchline? And James Bradbury, this is why I said something about it. I know him, right? And I, I'm, from what I've learned from him and what I know of him, he's a good dude, about as solid a dude as you can come by in the locker room. One of the last people that I could see actually talking trash. So I look at it on a humanity basis, whereas all the giant fans are like, F the Eagles, he deserves it. They talked the whole year. And yeah, maybe the Eagles deserve it. Talk trash about the Eagles. But I look at it from a humanity and like, like I, people say, who do you root for? I don't have a team. I root for individuals, people that I know, that I like, that I have personal relationships with. Fans, you view it, and I'm going to borrow a line from my buddy Adam Levitan. You root for laundry. You don't care about an individual. I mean, I, there were people on my timeline crapping on James Bradbury for leaving the Giants. Leaving the Giants, he got cut by the Giants. Not as his choice. And not only that, they strung it along as long as humanly possible, right? They made it so that James Bradbury, by the time he got cut, didn't have a ton of options because most teams have already spent their money. So when James Bradbury says, you know, took great joy in beating the Giants and said that was one of the you know top three wins of my career, it's because they cut him, okay? And now people are like, screw Bradbury. You know, he deserves it. He plays for the Eagles. Like, the Giants cut him. It wasn't his choice. He wanted to stay. They couldn't afford him. They couldn't keep him. So the laundry crowd, right, the super, super fans that refuse to look at anything from anything but the laundry, they'll, they'll defend the laundry at all costs, right? And you know those people are out there. They defend the team no matter what your team does, right? And, you know, there'll be guys that commit crimes. You don't care as long as he's on your team. The second he's not on your team, then he's a scumbag. I look at it from a humanity perspective, at these people as individuals, of my personal relationships with some of these people. So that's why I took to Twitter and was like, yo, come on, this is wrong. Because I, 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 the second I saw that, I was like, man, poor James Bradbury. He's just going to get dragged, right? And this is funny. It was a funny meme. But now James Bradbury is going to be sitting there and his at home not knowing what the hell is going on after he already is to go to the Super Bowl. Now his phone is probably blowing up and people sending him this meme and he's now a punchline for everybody else. So that's why, and, and you saw a lot of players. I saw a couple of Giants players out there too. 
they don't players don't like it. They thought it was totally out of line for a player to do that. Lame was a word you saw from a lot of players. Uh, and it's just not it's just not cool to lay another player out there like that, especially for that. It's not if James Bradbury was talking trash the whole time or he was out there and he complained about the holding and said, Juju's, you know, it, it, Juju stinks. Yeah, I totally get it. But no, instead, Juju just he looked at the opportunity, thought, said, uh, who knows what state he's in at this point. They're in party mode. Right. And just saw saw the meme and was like, you know what? This is funny. I don't care. I'll make this guy a punchline. And that I took my stance because of the fact that I do know James Bradbury and I know him to be a good dude. And I felt like, wow, I can't believe this guy is going to get laid out there like that. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. But he did. It's over. It's not that big a deal. He'll get over it. Uh, but don't be surprised if people are looking to take shots at Juju on the field next year. Absolutely. 100% can see that. And that's why I'm so against Kayvon Thibodeau saying a lot of the things that he's been saying. You know, I don't know this guy. I don't know Joe Staley. I don't know that guy. Because he's going to make himself a target on the field by saying these things about people. I get it. It's funny. He's having fun. But fine. But now you have to face the repercussions. Because there will be repercussions. There are people out there. Somebody, he's going to face an offensive lineman, whether it be Joe Staley, you know, someone who's friends with Joe Staley, and they're going to pummel him to the ground, take an extra shot at him when he's on the ground, and be like, hey, Never heard of Joe Staley, huh? You know, like th those kind of things are going to happen on the on the football field. And so now Juju's going to have to deal with that, too. All right. That's going to be the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Stay tuned all offseason. We got the combine coming up at the end of the month into early March. Mid-March, we've got free agency. Then we got the draft in April. We got a ton of good stuff. This is the fun part of the NFL season, right? This is one of the best parts of the NFL season, especially free agency. People love free agency. Free agency is great. Makes you dream. And then the draft right behind it, it's going to be fun. So stay tuned. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. As always, like, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, also, send me questions. We'll do some uh, Giants After Darks. Uh, you, can follow, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, email. You know where I'm at. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.